Welcome back to the Huddle College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Mason Gilbert, and this is a podcast where we want to huddle up and give you everything that you need and nothing that you don't. We want to recap what happened the week before, look ahead to what's going on later in the week. Um, We want to make our episodes decisively small on purpose. That way, if you are driving somewhere or you're about to watch a game, you can get just the information you need and you don't have to listen to an hour, hour and a half of meaningless data uh, that just clogs your brain up. So let's go ahead and jump right in. It is Tuesday evening as we're recording this right now, and that means the AP poll was just dropped. Um, Alabama was number one, no surprise. Georgia ended up jumping Ohio State. They are now number two after their 49-3 dominating performance over Oregon. We'll get to that a little more later. That means Ohio State is at three, and their rival Michigan is right behind them at four. So if the playoffs were to start today, it would be Michigan versus Alabama and Georgia versus Ohio State. This could still likely be the playoffs, two Big Ten teams and two SEC teams. Uh, Clemson, after their win, is at number five. Uh, A&M is at number six. Oklahoma is at number seven. Notre Dame is at number eight. So after their loss, they only slid down three spots. Um, that follows the precedent set last year when Clemson and Georgia played. Clemson only fell just a few spots. And this is okay. I like this. Um, Notre Dame, I said before, I think was actually a little underrated. I think eight is a great spot. Um, if they were ranked lower, um, they were ranked behind Ohio State. That means they weren't even supposed to beat them anyways. I'm fine with Notre Dame being at number eight. Uh, Baylor is at number nine. Uh, USC is at number 10. I'm going to try to keep this short. USC should absolutely not be number 10. They shouldn't even be in the top 25 in my opinion. The fact that they beat Rice, even if it was convincingly, doesn't change anybody's opinion. Rice is one of the worst teams in all of college football. Any team should beat them. Um, And USC still has to prove everything. I think at this point, the AP poll is still a popularity contest. I think there were several teams behind them, such as Florida, Utah, Uh, Arkansas, Pitt, NC State, Tennessee. There's a lot of teams I think can beat USC head-to-head. It is very, very early in this USC Lincoln-Riley's tenure. Um, And so I think that this is honestly just a tragedy that USC is at number 10. But let's go ahead and keep going with this. Uh, Oklahoma State is at number 11. Uh, That is coming off an incredible performance two weeks in a row now by Spencer Sanders. Uh, Florida is at number 12 after their win over Utah. So they went from being unranked, jumped all the way up to number 12, and right behind them is Utah at 13. I think that's pretty fair. I think that you should be ahead of the team that you beat with a one-game sample size. Um, Right behind Utah at 14 and 15 is Michigan State and Miami. Arkansas is now at 16 after their impressive win over Cincinnati. Pitt is at 17. NC State is at 18 after surviving a close game against ECU. Wisconsin is at 19, Kentucky is at 20, BYU is at 21, Ole Miss at 22, Wake Forest at 23. Their news broke today that Sam Hartman will be back for the Vandy game. More on that later this week. Uh, Tennessee is now at 24, and Houston is at 25 after their triple overtime win against UTSA. Let's go ahead and jump into the Huddle's Week 1 Superlatives. First up, my team that I am buying right now. When buying or selling stocks, the basic rule is to buy low and sell high. So Utah is a team that just lost to Florida in the swamp. Um, They were the number seven team, 
They're now the number 13 team, and everybody's kind of assuming that they are out of the playoff race. Um, but really what happened was they went down to Florida. It's very humid. It is a very hostile environment playing against an SEC team that still has a lot of talent, a lot more talent than Utah has. Um, this SEC team had a lot of excitement around them with a brand new coaching staffs. Um, one of the best quarterbacks in all of college football, one of the most talented players that they're going to play for the entire rest of the season they just faced in week one. Um, but also look around the Pac-12. Oregon just lost embarrassingly. USC played Rice. Besides that, there's really not a whole lot of challengers. I do think that Oregon State is maybe a sleeper in the Pac-12. Um, but I understand Utah is not happy about the win, uh, nor should they be. But they had two separate times that they had the ball first and goal and settled for field goals. If they can improve the small details, like red zone offense and situational defense, two things that usually improve over the year if you are a good team, I think that they can still make some noise. They can win the Pac-12. And because their loss is so early in the season, the very first game is to a non-conference team. It was on the road. And now that Florida is 12th in the nation, they can still climb the ranks. I think they'll be okay. Everything is still in front of them. This is a very, very experienced coaching staff. Utah is not new to putting together double-digit seasons. I think that they're going to be okay. I'm buying stock in Utah. Um, I think now that everybody else is kind of cooling off on the Utes, I'm all in. Another team in red and white that I am selling this year is NC State. And this is really disappointing. I was extremely high on NC State this year heading into the season uh, simply due to the fact that they return experienced players. They're always physically prepared. They're well coached. And Devin Leary is likely an early round draft pick this year. Um, but I got to say, ECU had multiple chances to win this game. And they would have won if they didn't miss two go-ahead field goals late in the game. Uh, ECU honestly looked like they could push NC State around for at least most of the game, if not all of it. Um, and this NC State offense was not creative. They were not effective. Even despite having Leary in their arsenal, I was just very underwhelmed with this NC State team. This is a team that is going to play multiple teams that can beat them in a shootout. They can play against Texas Tech. They're playing against North Carolina. They're playing against Wake Forest. They still have teams on their schedule that are going to put up points. And if they cannot match that, they are going to be in trouble. Uh, this was very concerning for me week one. I know it may be a bit of an overreaction, but I'm getting off the NC State train before it derails and crashes miserably. A team that I think is underrated this year is Georgia. Um, I know that that sounds completely ridiculous given that they are the number two team in the country and they just beat Oregon 49-3. to but Hear me out. Georgia is still not getting enough credit. Kirby Smart is playing with house money right now. He loves the fact that he is number two and not number one. He loves the fact that people are still doubting them. Uh, that's why this game was a statement. I mean, they could have played it any way they wanted to. They could have gone out and run the ball down Oregon's throat, played it conservative like they've done in previous years, and he chose not to. He wants everybody to know, including recruits, opposing SEC coaches and defenses, that this offense is trying to create explosive plays, and they are willing and able to do it any way they want to. In this game, they decided to do it through the air. They had seven drives, ending up in seven touchdowns, for their first seven drives until they took their foot off the gas. They punted one time in the entire game. Um, on defense, they had a freshman go up and make plays, 
get an interception, lead the team in tackles. This team is crazy talented. I personally think that if you win the national championship, you should be number one to start the season. Um, and that's nothing against Alabama. They are a very, very talented team. They probably have two of the best players in all of college football. Um, but Georgia came to play. Like I said, they're playing with house money. They just won. Everybody thinks they're going to be complacent. Everybody thinks they're going to pull a Georgia. I think that now they have the monkey off their back. They feel like they got to make up for lost time. And they could pull a Clemson and go from winning none to winning multiple in a few years. So I think that this Georgia team is going to win the national championship. I still think they're underrated. Stetson Bennett went from just a guy. He went from just a game manager to somebody that has had now six off seasons playing football. This is his sixth year. This is his first year as a starter. He has Todd Munkin, which I think is one of the best offensive coordinators in all of college football at his disposal. And he has several players around him that believe in him. This Georgia team is dangerous, and honestly, their schedule is not like it was last year. They do have a date with Tennessee at home. They have their annual game against Florida, um, but I think besides that, those are really the two games that scare me as someone who is rooting for Georgia to win the national championship, as someone who has them as my national championship pick. Besides that, I think that this team can do whatever they want to do until it comes to playoffs, until it comes to the SEC championship. Um, I still think this Georgia team is underrated. Rounding out our week one superlatives is our rising star. This goes to Drake May. Drake May, if you don't know who that is, Google him, watch his highlights, figure this out now before he becomes an explosive player that is on everybody's radar. He is the freshman that had the tall task of replacing Sam Howell. And it looks like UNC has their guy. In fact, it looks like a lot of UNC fans are quickly forgetting all about Sam Howell because May is already leading all of college football with 656 passing yards, 74% completion, and he leads his team in rushing. He has 10 total touchdowns, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 9 passing touchdowns, 1 rushing touchdown, and this kid is the only reason that UNC is 2-0 right now. Their defense is atrocious. It is disgusting to watch right now. Mac Brown has got to do something. He has got to make a change because he cannot waste this freshman momentum that they have right now. I think that they will be okay in the long run, but if they want to keep getting recruits, they cannot get exposed on defense week after week after week. Eventually, Drake May is going to be figured out or he's not going to have a good game and their entire team is going to fall apart. In fact, they go to Georgia State this week and that is a game that I might have on upset alert come Thursday, depending on what the spread is. Uh, but I don't know what it is about these ACC teams going to opposing team stadiums that are unranked bad teams and putting themselves in the situations where they are almost losing. NC State barely, barely beat App State. Uh, NC State went and almost lost to ECU. Virginia Tech went in and lost to Old Dominion. This is a trend that has got to stop if the ACC wants to get back on the national stage. They need to play these games at home. They need to play these games where they can absolutely no doubt win them instead of putting themselves in the situation. All right, so let's talk about some other games that happened this week. Notre Dame traveled to the shoe to play Ohio State. They were 17-point favorites, um, and I think we had this game almost perfectly figured out. Uh, OSU was struggling early to gain an edge over this underrated Notre Dame team. We said in the preview 
that if Ohio State is going to have a great year, it's because they have to have an improved defense, a top 20 defense, um, and that Notre Dame was actually underrated. We said that Notre Dame would make Ohio State struggle early, um, and their defense would be pretty good, and that's pretty much what happened. Um, Ohio State struggled in the secondary, and they still looked like they had some kinks to work out. Um, their defense overall was much, much, much better. Whatever they are paying their defensive coordinator that they brought in, it is not enough. Um, Ohio State wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigma and Julian Fleming were both out for most of the game, and it didn't help that Stroud looked a little bit mediocre. Ohio State decided to just run the heck out of the ball and stick to their guns, uh, but they only had one play over 25 yards all game. Only one play over 25 yards, and they still won by 14. So if you are out here saying that Ohio State's overrated, that they're not going to make the playoffs, just pump the brakes on that. All right, Their defense, if that's the strength of their team right now, the rest of the Big Ten is in trouble because the rest of the Big Ten can play defense, but their offense is nowhere near where Ohio State's offense can be. Maybe Michigan is the one team that can get close to them still. Um, I do think that the difference in this game was third downs. Um, Notre Dame was only 3 of 13 on third down. I think that is the deciding factor. You cannot beat Ohio State and only have three third down conversions. Um, Because of this, Ohio State was able to eventually get their feet under them, and if they have enough possessions, they are able to overcome Notre Dame. Um, I still think Ohio State will roll through most of their conference games, but the big question, just like it was last year and the year before, what will they do if they get down in a game, and how will they respond to that? And also, how will they fare against teams like Georgia, like Alabama in the playoffs if they get there? Those defenses are not just good. They are phenomenal. Um, So if they get there, will they be able to withstand teams that not only do what Notre Dame did, but do it 10 times better? But on the other hand, I think Notre Dame will be fine. I think a lot of people will be quick to judge them. Um, But Notre Dame, once again, was ranked not as high as Ohio State. They were not expected to win. Um, I do think that they are an appropriate spot in the rankings, and I think that they are probably going to go nine and three, ten and two. Maybe they go eleven and one, but as long as they can flirt with double digits, get double digits by the bowl game, I do think that the recruiting will continue to be very, very good. And I think they're going places. I don't think this year is it, but I do think in the next two to three years, Notre Dame is going to be one of the best teams in college football. Uh, also on Monday night, Clemson played Georgia Tech in the second edition of the Chick-fil-A kickoff this weekend. And uh, this one told us a lot about Clemson. Their defense is still really, really good. Um, but they had some first-game jitters. I mean, they lost their offensive coordinator and their defensive coordinator. They lost their quarterback. That is one of the best quarterbacks of all time just a couple of years ago. And so now, DJU's second year, he's still trying to figure things out. I do think he looked slimmer. I think he looked more mobile. He looked a lot more confident. Um, But I think this team overall was just not very exciting. Um, The offense was very, very conservative. It did not give DJU the availability to make the plays that he needed to make. Um, I do think that while Kate Klubnick got in at the end, it wasn't garbage time, but that was very exciting. I do think that Clemson is going to be able to get through a lot of their games, um, but I do think at some point... They're going to be down, and Klebnik is going to have to come in, similarly to how Trevor Lawrence came in in his freshman year 
They ended up winning the national championship that year. So I think Clemson is still a very, very, very good team. They still have the talent. They still have the coaching. But are they quite a Georgia or an Alabama or an Ohio State right now? I don't think so. I think four is an appropriate spot for them. I think they have a lot to work on. But fortunately for them, their schedule is not a juggernaut. They have a few games to play with their food a little bit, figure out what the right combinations are in that line, and figure out a way to be more dynamic on offense. LSU and Florida State, this one was pretty much exactly how we expected it to go. Two of the most wild card programs in all of college football. Obviously, we could have never predicted that outcome. Last week in the preview, we said that if Florida State can hold up physically, they can win. And they pretty much did just that. Both teams looked like they were trying to lose the game at one point. Uh, My wife even looked at the screen and said, what is going on? Does either team want to win? Uh, I said, I don't know, but it's still fun to watch. Um, There were sparks of potential and excitement sprinkled throughout the game. There were then plays that made you wonder what practice looks like during the week. I thought that both these teams leaned a little too heavily on their running quarterbacks and seemed to be one-dimensional. seemed a little bit like NCAA 13 or 14 where you just want to run the quarterback every single play and see what happens. Um, I do think in the future, both teams need to develop a vertical passing game and stop shooting themselves on the foot. I think at the end of the day, this was very, very, very promising for Florida State. They have lost so many of these close games. Their schedule is so hard this year that they need every single win that they can get. I think this one is a fantastic win for Mike Norvell. It's a lot of validation for a guy who just got a contract extension. I know the AD was very happy about it. Um, I do think Florida State is on an upward trajectory. I just think in an era where we want things to be instant, in an era where we have these teams like Alabama, like Clemson, like Ohio State, like Georgia, this is not going to be one of those teams that just develops overnight. I think that Norvell is still doing this the right way. This is a very good win for the program. On the other hand, the LSU Tigers are pretty much a wild card still. I still think they're going to lose games that they shouldn't lose, and they're going to win games that they shouldn't win. I do think that LSU wasn't as physical as Florida State. They need to work on that. They need to get the meat and potatoes down before they can go out there and start slinging the ball all over the place. It is very concerning that their top wide receiver, uh, Keyshawn Butte, only got a couple of targets. I know that he took all of LSU's uh, mentions out of all of his social media pages, um, but it just is concerning to me that LSU did not seem to have interest in getting their best playmakers the ball. Uh, Jaden Daniels did a very, very good job. I think he was very mobile. Um, I do think that it was fun to watch. However, they need to figure out a way to be effective more than fun. That is all we have for y'all tonight on this episode. We just wanted to do a quick recap of the games in case you missed them and draw your attention to some stats and some players that you may not have been aware of. So please tune in. Later this week, we will have game previews, we will have best bets, and other storylines to pay attention to to get you through your week, to get you excited for the weekend, and to keep you up to date on all things college football. You can follow us on Twitter at the huddle pod underscore, and you can follow us on Instagram at the huddle podcast.